Hello and welcome to the Night Sky Guide for May. My name is Melissa Holbert and I'm the Site Programs Coordinator at Sydney Observatory. Before we start our Night Sky Tour, make sure you download the May Sky Map from our website. Armed with your sky map and a small torch with some red cellophane covering it, find a nice dark place away from the glare of the streetlights and make sure you know your cardinal directions, north, south, east and west. Remember that the sun rises in the east, moves through the northern sky during the day and sets in the west, or a small compass will also point you in the right direction. Pick a comfortable spot either on a rug or a deck chair that you can lay back in. Wait about 5 to 10 minutes and allow your eyes to adapt to the darkness. Now turn towards the west. Low in the western sky is the familiar constellation of Orion the Hunter. In Greek mythology, Orion was a hunter of great skill and boasted that he could kill all living animals. Gaia, the earth goddess, was alarmed by his statement and fearing for all the animals on earth, she sent a scorpion to kill him. Orion was stung on the shoulder, but was revived and placed in the stars along with the scorpion. This entire myth is played out in the stars each year. As Scorpius the scorpion rises in the east, Orion sets in the west defeated. When Scorpius sets in the west, the healer Ophucus crushes the scorpion into the earth and revives Orion so he can rise in the east again. Orion appears in many cultures. Even the ancient Egyptians saw Orion as Osiris, god of the underworld and of regeneration. If you're having difficulty picking out the hunter, then look for the saucepan. This is a familiar group of stars for those of us in the southern hemisphere and is Orion's belt and sword. Orion is now on his side as he sets below the western horizon. Now turn and face the east and there is Scorpius rising in triumph as Orion sets defeated for another year. The scorpion is one of the easiest constellations to pick out as it is one of the few that does look like what it's supposed to represent. It covers about 30 degrees in the sky. Working out degrees in the sky is quite easy. Hold your arm out towards the sky and make a fist. From one side of your fist to the other, this is 10 degrees. Hold your arm out and spread your hand out as wide as you comfortably can. So the opposite of a fist, from your little finger to your thumb, is 20 degrees. Put your hands side by side and you now have 30 degrees, the size the scorpion covers in the sky. This does work for everyone as your arm length is proportional to your hand size. Now look for the scorpion's heart and Antares, a red supergiant that is 400 times the diameter of our sun. Antares means rival of Mars and when they are close together in the sky they certainly do look very similar. If you have a pair of binoculars, the near Antares is a small globular star cluster, M4, which is a group of old stars that lies about 7,000 light years away, making it one of the closest globular clusters to us. Below the sting of the scorpion are two open star clusters, M7 and M6, which are also worth a look. See if you can see the butterfly in M6. These names I'm giving the clusters are catalogue names. M stands for Messier and is named after Charles Messier, an 18th century French comet chaser. He made a catalogue of 103 fuzzy objects that were not comets, so that he didn't waste his time looking at them. Other astronomers later added a few more objects to the catalogue, bringing the total to 110. Time to turn and look towards the south. High in the southern sky is the constellation Crux, better known to us as the Southern Cross. Crux is Latin for cross. 
The Southern Cross, like the Scorpion, is another constellation that does look like what it's supposed to represent. It is surrounded on three sides by the constellation Centaurus, and the two brightest stars in Centaurus make up the pointers, which point to the Southern Cross. And this is one way to check you have the right cross, as there are many star patterns in the sky that look like crosses. During May, the pointers are to the east and slightly south of the Southern Cross. The second brightest star in Crux is the marker for a wonderful binocular and telescope object. To find the second brightest star, whose name is Mimosa, look for the star in Crux closest to the pointers. Now just nearby, at about 7 o'clock if you imagine a clock face over Mimosa, is a wonderful open star cluster called the Jewel Box. It looks like a sideways A. In a telescope, wonderful colours can be seen, with white stars and a red supergiant. Sometimes even green appears, but of course there are no green stars. This is just an illusion. The famous 18th century astronomer John Herschel gave the cluster its name as he likened it to a piece of multicoloured jewellery. Crux sits within one of the arms of our Milky Way, and if you are away from the city lights, you will see this arm and notice a dark patch between the brightest and second brightest stars of this constellation. This dark patch is called the coal sack and is a dark nebula, lots of gas and dust that are blocking out the background stars. In the dreaming of the indigenous people, the coal sack formed the head of the emu, and if you follow the dark dust lanes of the Milky Way east towards the scorpion, you will see the emu's body and legs. There are lots of stories about crux and the pointers. Some say that crux is the eagle's foot and the pointers are the throwing stick used to hunt with. Others see the Milky Way as a river, with crux as a fish or stingray, and the pointers as two white cockatoos sitting in a tree. Centaurus is a mythical half-man, half-horse, and in Greek mythology represented the scholarly centaur Chiron, who tutored many of the Greek gods and heroes. He was put among the stars after he was accidentally struck by a poisoned arrow fired by Hercules. The brightest star in Centaurus is Alpha Centauri, which is one of the pointers. It is the pointer which is more distant from the Southern Cross, or the brighter of the two stars. In telescopes, Alpha Centauri appears as two stars, and both these stars orbit around each other once every 80 years, and are starting to move closer together. By 2037-2038, only medium aperture telescopes will be able to distinguish the two stars. There is also a third member of this group called Proxima Centauri, and it is the closest star to us after our own sun. There is also a third member of this group called Proxima Centauri, and it is the closest star to us after our own sun, at about 4.2 light years away, or 42 million million kilometres. It takes Proxima about 1 million years to orbit its two companions, and it is a red dwarf star, making it a challenge to see. It is not even in the same field of view as its companions. What else can we look forward to seeing in the sky in May 2020? Venus starts the month in the western twilight sky and will gradually move towards the horizon over the coming weeks and by the end of the month will no longer be visible. On the 22nd, Venus and Mercury are within a degree of each other. On the 24th, the thin waxing crescent moon will sit between the two planets, above Venus and below Mercury, and slightly to the west or left of both planets. To view both of these events, a good west horizon is essential, and binoculars may also be handy to spot the elusive Mercury. 
Mercury starts to make an appearance low in the western twilight sky from the 22nd of the month with its close encounter with Venus. After this date, Mercury will gradually move higher in the western sky, though it will still be relatively low to the horizon, so viewing from a site with a good west horizon will be essential to view this often hard-to-see planet. All of the early birds have not been forgotten, as May sees three planets in the morning sky. Jupiter rises late in the evening sky, but this month is best viewed in the early morning, when it has risen a little higher in the sky. Jupiter is easy to distinguish from other objects as it is the brightest object, other than the Moon and Venus, in the nighttime sky, shining at magnitude minus 2.4 in the constellation of Sagittarius. Binoculars will show you the four largest moons, known as the Galilean satellites, and small aperture telescopes will show one or two of the Jovian cloud belts. The cloud belts move with great speed, up to 620 kilometres per hour. Rising in the constellation of Capricornus, not long after Jupiter, is the beautiful ringed planet Saturn. Saturn's impressive ring system can be seen in even small aperture telescopes, and depending on the telescope you are using, you may even catch a glimpse of a few of Saturn's moons, including the second largest in our solar system, Titan. The late evening of the 12th and the early morning of the 13th sees the moon dancing through the sky with both Jupiter and Saturn. Late on the evening of the 12th, the waning gibbous moon is between Jupiter and Saturn, below and to the south or right of Jupiter, and above and to the south of Saturn. The pre-dawn sky on the morning of the 13th will see the moon sitting beside Saturn. This dance across the sky is due to the moon moving in its orbit. It moves approximately 13 degrees per day towards the east, and we are seeing this movement against the background sky and the two distant gas giants. In the east, rising just after midnight at the start of the month, is the red planet Mars. It spends the beginning of the month in the constellation Capricornus, however by the 10th has moved into Aquarius. On the 15th, the last quarter moon is above and slightly to the south or right of Mars, and on the 16th, the waning crescent moon is below and slightly to the south or right of the red planet. I do have one wild card for you this month, which is the Eta Acarid Meteor Shower. This shower is linked to Halley's Comet and is one of the most popular in the Southern Hemisphere. When comets pass close to the Sun, they leave a trail of small particles and dust behind. When the Earth passes through this trail, we see lots of meteors appearing to come from one area of the sky. This is called the Radiant, and each shower is named after the constellation or bright star near which the Radiant appears. In this case, it's the constellation of Aquarius, and the star is Eta Aquarii. The shower runs between the 19th of April and the 28th of May, with the peak on the morning of the 5th of May. At its peak, the rate will often be around 50 meteors per hour. The Eta Acarids are usually very swift, moving at about 66 kilometres per second and are usually a striking yellow colour. They are also known for their trains, with about 25% of meteors leaving a train behind. A meteor train is the debris afterglow left in the wake of the meteor. The best time to observe any meteor shower is after midnight, usually a few hours before dawn, so on the morning of the 5th, look towards the east. This year, full moon occurs on the 7th, 
However, the moon will set at 3.28am Eastern Standard Time in the west on the 5th, and twilight doesn't begin until 5.37am, and with Aquarius nicely above the east horizon, conditions should be good for observers. If you have clear skies, then the morning of the 5th should provide a good opportunity to see a number of meteors, especially if you are away from city lights. The Eta Acroids have a history of good performance. In 1975 there was an hourly rate of 95 and in 1980 an hourly rate of 110. If you observe any of the planetary and lunar events or see the Eta Acroids, we'd love to hear from you via our blog, Facebook or Twitter pages. I leave you now with a quote from astronomer Jill Tarter. We, all of us, are what happens when a primordial mixture of hydrogen and helium evolves for so long that it begins to ask where it came from. Wishing you clear skies and see you next month under the stars. If you have enjoyed this monthly sky guide and think you might want to regularly check out what's in the night sky, why not purchase a copy of Sydney Observatory's book, The Australasian Sky Guide. It not only contains detailed monthly sky guides, but is packed with astronomical information, including rise and set times for the sun, moon and planets, tides, and a detailed look at our solar system and upcoming astronomical events. For more information on the night sky, check out our blogs on Sydney Observatory's website. You can also check Sydney Observatory's Facebook page and Twitter account for the latest astronomical information. This has been Melissa Holbert from Sydney Observatory with the May Sky Guide podcast.